I'm James Milley. And I'm Alex Mito. And this is The Artist Business Plan, your favorite weekly business podcast for artist entrepreneurs, hosted by Superfine Art Fair. What is going on, business artists? You are listening to The Artist Business Plan, and we are back from our summer vacation. It's been quite the summer. Uh, We are so excited to be here with Lisa Collins today. We are also super excited to be less than 30 days from our first New York City Fair since 2019. We've locked down an incredible venue blocks away from Bryant Park with 20,000 square feet on Fifth Avenue in Midtown Manhattan. We will be there from September 30th to October 3rd with 150 artists and over 5,000 collectors who are hungry and excited to buy your work. The fair is over 90% full, but we've got a very small handful of booths still available in each program, and we wanted to open it up to our ABP listeners and give some of you the opportunity to exhibit there with us. If you want to learn more about how to apply and to schedule a call with me, you can visit www.superfine.world slash sell your art. That is sell hyphen your hyphen art. We've got less than 10 booths left and applications have a hard close on September 21st. So hurry up and book your call so we can start promoting you and your art today. As you know, if you've been listening with us, But if you're new, I am James Milley, the co-founder of Superfine Art Fair, which is the most widespread art fair for artists in the U.S. and one of the top resources for all things art, artists, and marketing of your art. Today, we've got Lisa Collins here with us on the mic. Lisa is going to share an awesome masterclass with you today on how to carve out a unique market for yourself. I don't know about you, but I am so excited to hear what she has to say. But first, I've got an amazing offer here just for you ABP listeners. Artists. Have you ever felt anxious, alone, and not sure about the next move for your career? Good news, those days are over. For nearly six years, we've taken thousands of hours to develop the best art fair model for artists out there. Superfine art fairs have helped hundreds of artists just like you take control of their careers, build relationships with collectors, and create the art income and freedom that you deserve. For a limited time, we are offering you the chance to not only get a great discount on your booth, but also appear on this very podcast as a special guest, reaching thousands of artists, art influencers, collectors, and arts professionals every day. To find out how you can take advantage of this incredible opportunity, just visit www.superfine.world offer to learn more. We can't wait to welcome you to the Superfine community and start helping you sell more art today. All right. So we are back here with Lisa Collins, and we are ready to change the way that you think about your art career. Lisa Collins has carved a unique niche for herself as an acclaimed architectural artist in the United States. Passionate about architecture and travel, she drove from coast to coast, creating original paintings of homes and historic buildings, which inspired her in every state, while expanding her support base to over 2,000 clients. She recently released a coffee table book that documents her journey and includes 650 of her paintings. Welcome to the Artist Business Plan, Lisa. Thank you very much. It's definitely a pleasure to be here. Absolutely. And it's a pleasure to have you. Thank you. Now, before we dive into it, Lisa, I want to ask you something to help our listeners get to know the real you. What is the earliest memory that you have of art? Well, that's very interesting. The most memorable 
uh, let's see, I started as a child doing art. Um, I was from a very artistic family, encouraged to do it. We all did it. I was good at it. And it was fun. Did it at school. But the real defining thing for me, it taught me that art is an adventure. It's something exciting. And that was when we went on a summer holiday, right? Now in New Zealand, where I'm from, uh, summer is at Christmas. So we, it was Christmas and uh, we, we got a little uh, beach house and um, we got up, my sisters, my mom, my aunt, just a bunch of girls, all seven of us all told, and we got up at the dawn and we went out to the, see the sunrise over this beautiful lake district. It was the most beautiful scene I've ever seen. And just the, I was so excited about, it just put a whole new sort of view of art to me, of a doing this, of an adventure, having to, we had to get all the hot, hot uh, coffee together and the tea and bring it with us and, and then setting up. And it was just so exciting. And from that moment, I decided that I always wanted to be an artist, but for me, it would be fun. It would be an adventure. It would be something that um, was positive that I could influence the world with. And that's the defining moment. I love that story. Uh, I, I think that it's amazing that for you and what I, I would say should be for most, if not all artists, is that it's not just you're producing work and you know you you feel this this creativity, but also it's fun, it's an adventure. And and I think that's incredible. I love how clearly that story of of going to this spot at sunrise to to paint is now so directly what your your work is about and it's about traveling it's about seeing other places and making art you see so i think that's incredible so lisa you have carved out a niche market for yourself as an architectural artist like we were talking about before what gave you this inspiration besides the story you just told us if you want to expand more they are very related well actually i decided I did my art in New Zealand, you know, for a while as a, and even made a living as a teen. And then I went off into a whole different direction, nonprofit, traveled the world. I love helping people. 30 years later, I decided that's it. I'm doing my art again. You know, I'm in America, married an American 30 years before. And everyone was saying, are you crazy? You're going to try doing this in your 50s? And I said, sure. So in the spirit of this adventurous idea, and my husband was also sick of the nine to five grind. That's it. We're, we we want freedom here. We want to have our own schedules. We want to travel. We want to see the entire United States and beyond. So um, we were living in California. We said, okay, we didn't know where we wanted to live. So we traveled across America and we said, you know, on our journey, we're going to find the perfect place. Well, we got all the way over to Washington, D.C. on the other coast and uh, we took a wrong turn. And uh, it was late at night, about midnight, nice and quiet. And we just found ourselves in this magical place. It looked like it was as if we'd been transported, you know, to two centuries earlier. And it was uh, cobbled streets. And we ended up right at the, at the, on the water. And it ended up, that was Potomac River. And we found ourselves in Old Town Alexandria, which is really an amazing historic place. And so we looked at each other and said, well, we just found our new home. And as it turned out, I've always loved architecture. So, I mean, it was a little rough to start with. And I was trying sort of doing everything I could do. I am capable, like so many artists, of doing many different types of work. 
Um, so I was doing a bit of everything, and that lasted for about a year, and I wasn't making any money, and I thought, I have to change something. So one day I went out, and I thought, you know what? And I went out, and I stood in the middle of the road, and I looked around me. I said, who's got my money? And I thought, you know what? Those people and all those beautiful historic homes surrounding me, I could see seven different subjects. They've got my money. And why aren't I doing paintings of these beautiful homes? And that's what the point of inspiration was. Now, then I had to go through the whole thing of figuring out how to get to them, what was the best way. And there was little hiccups, believe me, on that. But then I managed to sort of forge a path and then find an exact formula, which I could then repeat, firstly, in the greater DC area, then in various states and anywhere I went and all over the United States in every state. So that's but that was the beginning. Yeah. And I love that it sort of stems from this own story of you finding the, this place that is the most magical for you and and the most inspiring uh, for yourself and your husband. I love Alexandria, by the way. It's it's uh, beautiful. I haven't, haven't spent enough time there. I just wanted to add to that, James, is that having that love of where you live, and we were in an old rickety 1785 home, <laughs> and uh, that was where my studio was up these rickety stairs. So, but that was all part of the adventure. And I think having that whole environment that is really a passion and something inspiring is is part of it too. Absolutely, and that that's the other thing I was going to mention is that you were looking at okay, you know, who has your money? Like you said, who like these people who live in these other homes that are architecturally fascinating and beautiful are your audience, your demographic. But it's not like you just pick something that anyone likes. It's something that you like too. It's something that inspires you. So your art is very much your own passion, but also there's more than enough people who share that passion for it to make sense for them to be your clientele. I think that a lot of the times people think that what inspires them is too specific to be relatable to other people. And it's so not the case. I mean, you know, it's just kind of finding that common ground. And I, and it sounds like you, you definitely found it. Yes. I think you summed that up perfectly. Cool. Cool. Well, um, so kind of leading from this, this conversation about having a niche market, Lisa, could you tell us five tips or questions an artist can ask themselves to help them create a niche market for their art? Absolutely. So I'd start with looking. It's sort of a bit of a soul searching. Like, well, number one, what sort of art do I love doing? Like, And what's my purpose for doing? Why do I love it? You know, so answer those questions to yourself. And also, you've got to, as part of that, you've got to figure out would other people like what I'm doing, you know, because if they don't and you just, you're the only one in love with it, well, it's not going to get you too far in terms of, you know, making some money and being compensated for this beautiful work you're doing. So that's the first one. And the second one I'd ask myself is, it was good you asked me these questions because I had to really think about it. And I did actually go through this exactly uh, for, for what you, you know, these five questions is, what sort of lifestyle do I want? You know, some people, they love to just have a brick and mortar and build it up from there. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with it. My husband and I, we just had the bug. We wanted to travel. We wanted to be able to move anywhere and take our work with us. And as an artist, I wanted to do that. So that had to be part of it for me. So what could I do if I'm going to do, if I love architecture, is there plenty of it around? You know, if I travel, will it still be there? Well, let's face it, there's beautiful homes and buildings and churches and city halls wherever you go in America, but 
overseas too. So that was the second thing. And the third point is like, okay, again, that question. So who, how am I going to, how am I going to get compensated for this? Who's got my money? What is the, who would want it? So if, if I've determined that it's something people like, that expressed interest, you can do that by survey, by the way, and just show them. But then it's like, now, of all these people that like it, some of your friends, of course, your mother always loves your work, and, but she's not going to give you money for it, right? So you got to figure out, well, out of all the people who like my work, how who's going to actually exchange money? Who's going to want that item in their home? So you have to really figure that out. So that that requires some research. Maybe it's looking online too to see who else is selling it? What other um, paintings are selling well? You know, if you're doing photography or landscape photography, what you see what I mean? You have to really look and see. Otherwise, you could face a, a big loss. You see what I mean? And roadblocks if you don't sort of humility is the art of review is a good something I always use. Be humble about it. And, it. and if it doesn't look right and it looks like no one wants your work when you're doing that sort of work, well, face that fact. The other one is once you figure that out, it's a matter of going through and looking, okay, now who, what are all the characteristics of my demographic? And, you know, I've really got it nailed now. I didn't to start with, but I could I could do like a half an hour dissertation about my demographic, what they like, what they don't like, what sort of gets them sparked about it, what is it about, why do they want that portrait of a home because it captures all the memories. I, I really have it down. So any promotion, whether it's email, whether it's social media, anything I do, I now have that wealth of information about my demographic. So naturally, those people gravitate to me. Uh, and so I form relationships with them. And then the last one is really important, and that is the follow-up. So once you get reaches, like you get people coming to you, like wanting your work and expressing interest in your work and leads, you know, whatever you want to call them, you must, must, must follow up, especially in this day and age. And I've found that like, don't just leave it up to them to get back to you and like, oh, they didn't get back to me. Reach out to them, be friendly, say, hey, I didn't hear back. I know you expressed interest and and you've got to do um, follow up and then you've got to do email campaigns and you've got to have consistent messages going out to keep yourself alive in their universe, if you know what I mean. And it doesn't mean like buy my work, buy my work, buy my work. It does, it's not that sort of thing. It's just putting yourself out there. You are interesting. You're an artist. You're doing amazing things, letting people know about that. So that would be my fifth tip. I think those are incredible, Lisa. And it's such a good way to for someone who doesn't know what the next step is just to get the ball rolling. So everyone to recap the questions and the tips that you should be reminding yourself of are what sort of art do I love doing and what other people like what I'm doing as well? What sort of lifestyle do I want? So like Lisa said, if you want to be traveling, how can you make, you know, your art create that kind of life for you versus if you if you want to be in one spot and maybe like having a beautiful studio that you're working in, you know, how how is your art creating the life that you want? Um, how am I going to get compensated for this? Who's going to actually give me money? Not just, oh, well, you know, my mom or my friends like my work. What are all of the characteristics of my demographic? Definitely getting as granular as possible with that so you can tell some like very specific story on on the, the archetype of the person who's buying your art. That's super important. Um, that'll help you once you start advertising your work as well. 
And then lastly, make sure that you follow up, be friendly and reach out. It's okay. You're not bothering them. If you are bothering them, that's also okay. It's better to exist in, uh, like you said, Lisa, I love the way you put it, exist in their universe so that uh, they actually think about your art and, and can actually make the decision to buy it because they're, they're thinking about you. So uh, Lisa, my next question for you. Uh, so you have a base of over 2000 clients, uh, which is, first of all, that's very impressive. How do you keep up with them while adding more clients to the roster? How do you keep it personal, but also talk to over 2000 clients? Yeah. Okay. Well, I mentioned follow-up and I'm going to make a plug for that again, because I can't tell you how it is. Actually, that number's gone up to 2,200 clients now. And I add usually on average three to five new clients every week, every week. That's a consistency thing because I get that sort of inflow of people requesting commissions every week. So it's really a no-brainer, if you know what I mean. But I did a little calculation, especially for this, knowing I was coming, going to be asked this question. And um, I looked at, I keep very good records of, you know, people who reached and and how many became clients and all that sort of thing. And I uh, actually worked out a statistic that if I had not done follow-up and sort of reminders and got back to them again, I call it my three-point plan. You know, first I get back, say, hey, I just don't know if you got, uh, you received that answer where I gave you all the information about my commissions. Then you do another one like, oh, um, I'm not sure uh, if you got my answer. And But if you're not interested, totally okay. But if you could let me know, I'd really appreciate it. And then the last one is like, I call, I put it on the reline, final check-in. It's it's like, you know, when you're at the airport, when you hear final check-in, you panic, right? <laughs> so you'd be amazed at number of people. And no one ever says, I wish you'd stop bothering. No, they don't. They always say, oh, so thank you so much for following up. I really appreciate it. I'm so sorry I never got back to you. I am really interested. So people love it when you follow up, you see. So, but my calculation was that if I had not done all those follow-ups that, that I've done over the years as a c- consistent action, I would only have 440 clients on that list today, that I would have 20% of the people who reached out to me. And that is probably, it could be less than that 440. That's probably uh, going over a little bit, but isn't that amazing? Right. Because, yeah, that that is amazing. And also like, you know, of the the clients you do have that you didn't need to follow up with, how many were people that you've, you know, were referred to from someone you did have to follow up with. So it could, I mean, it, it could be even less than 440. I mean, that that's insane. 20% of the clients you would have if you didn't follow up. That's huge. I mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah. 15 to 20%. I would just not have those clients. I just have a list of 400 to 440 people on that list. That's all I'd have. And so, so many artists, they're defeatists. They're like, well, they never go back to my guests. They're not interested. We'll find out if they're not interested. You know what I mean? Uh, I'm like, I'm of the old school. If I'm not interested and someone emails me or communicates some other way, I let them know politely. And so I sort of just keep on and say, you know, you can totally okay if if you're not interested anymore, but if you wouldn't mind letting me know and I can take you off my list. And stop, and I'll stop bugging you. I don't say that part, but <laughs> but the other there's another there's other few things I jotted down here. Like how do I keep in touch? How do I add more clients to the list? Well, I firstly very very important. Along with every single one of those clients, I give them great value and service. Like one thing I offer every from the beginning, I have when someone gets a commission, I give them a high resolution image as a as a gift. 
along with the purchase. So they can get note cards. They can make prints for children who grew up there. I can't tell you how this is a huge selling point. You've got to give value. So, And how easy is that? Because I take a scanned image of every painting I do anyway for my own records, right? So I have this great follow-up. Thank you so much. And here's the high resolution. You can make your own note cards. And that is like incredible value to them because it's gifts. It's all sorts of other things. So that's another point. And in doing so, the one thing I also do that I've found very successful along with the follow-up is I'm not scared to give people a phone call or I show them the painting um, with a phone call and I then, you know, have a link on my website. And I at any, uh, every week I'm always having conversations whether COVID was going on or not. That's why it didn't affect me, the whole shutdown, because I my model was a lot of communication, but it didn't have to be, you know, in a gallery. So, you know, I, I always, that's also how you can learn so much about your demographic because you're talking to them, you know, you're asking them questions. And so you develop personal relations with them. And I can't tell you how many of my clients say, oh, next time you're in, you know, um, San Antonio, please look me up. I'd love to have you drop around your husband, come and have a, you know, dinner and this and that. We could literally take a five-week vacation just by dropping into clients who have asked and invited me to see them. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's that's, it's really cool, though, isn't it? It's like, But that, that happens because, one, they love your work, but then, and I think the other thing, too, I happened, I'm choosing their home. I've done a beautiful painting of their home, and now they're so honored because I could see the, the beauty and aesthetic and love that, they put in their own home and all those little details. So that's another thing that sort of is a bonding thing. But there's, you know what I mean? With niche markets, you can find, there's always those bonds. You just got to find them. Yeah. And just kind of like putting the two main things that stuck out to me together. So having that great communication, but also following up until you get a response. I always say that, you know, I ideally, yes, you want to to get that yes out of someone, but also a no is so much better than no response because you don't learn anything when someone doesn't respond to you. You don't learn like, okay, what can I do differently next time? Why didn't they want it? Was it the price? Was it that they don't like my work? You know, whatever it is, you you can learn that and and um, act differently next time. Um, but then also, like like you said, just having that great communication is it goes a long way besides just getting that yes, no, or, or I'm not sure yet. You're, you're building that relationship with them and it makes it where instead of someone just, you know, buying your work and forgetting about you, they're, they're very much, you have that relationship built. They are a collector in all ways for you. There's someone who wants to have you in your, in their life as well, not just buy, buy your work to put on their wall. Yes, that's that's a great summary again. You're a good summer-upper. Thank you. <laughs> We're going to come right back, and Lisa is going to tell you more about what you want to know about retaining your fans and much more. But first, a message from our sponsors. New York City, San Francisco, Los Angeles, and yes, Miami. These are just a few of the places where you and your art can meet your next collector when you take the next step and exhibit with us at Superfine Art Fairs. For nearly six years, we've taken thousands of hours to develop the best art fair model for artists out there. 
Superfine fairs have helped hundreds of artists just like you take control of their careers, build relationships with collectors, and create the art income and freedom that you deserve. For a limited time, we're offering you the chance to not only get a great discount on your booth, but also appear on this very podcast as a special guest, reaching thousands of artists, art influencers, collectors, and arts professionals every day. To find out how you can take advantage of this incredible opportunity, just visit www.superfine.world offer to learn more. Don't miss the chance to be a part of the top business artist community in the world. So Lisa, we all know that keeping your fans updated on your work is important. We've already talked about that, but what are some strategies that you employ for building and retaining your email list? Yeah, well, letting them know you're out there, you're kicking, you're alive, you're doing great things. They love, I I get responses all the time. I just send them entertaining things. I hardly ever send any emails these days, which are for sale or a discount or anything like that. People, I think, are sick and tired of that. You know, you, you open up your email and what do you get? Tons of these things, right? My, like the one I'm just about to send out this week is, my favorite um, summer portraits of 2021. And it's some beautiful summer portraits, beautiful gardens from around the country. And, you know, a little bit about them and, you know, I hope you enjoy it as summer's winding its way down. So I keep regular emails, but not too often, maybe once a month. And I also do what, you know, the old fashioned email, like, oh, well, it's been a busy time. How are you guys doing? How are you faring with how, how things are going these days? I Fortunately, I got my book out and I've also got a new series. And then you have links to blog posts so they can dig in and find out more if they want to. But you're always providing good data. And I found what I found is really good is just you, there's so much bad news and crap out there, if you know what I mean. You know, as things are right now, it's a little uncertain. The world is a little uncertain and it's polarized and there's this and that. Well, you know, I think having a bright, cheery voice that doesn't change, that's always, you know, about art and enjoyment and travel and adventures. I think that's a very welcoming thing these days. And especially these days, because it's like, oh, something normal, something good, you know. And I think another point too, in terms of retaining them, you know, if you if you look up best practices for email campaigns, it's like, oh, you have to find their pain. You have to, what, what are you going to provide that they need? Well, I know that works. That's how it works for so many different products and services. But if when it comes to art, you know, they don't need that particularly. You know, they don't have to have it. So really what you're doing is what they what you're providing is the sort of escape to enjoyment and just pure, unadulterated chance for them to sit down with a coffee and enjoy some beautiful art just for the hell of it, if you know what I mean. And then they love you even more, if you know <laughs> you see what I'm saying? No, and I mean, you're totally right. I mean, most people's inboxes either have work in them or, you know, newsletters that are trying to get them to sell things. So most people don't like most of the emails that they receive. So if you are an email that someone wants to receive, that even if you're like you said, I mean, I think that's such a good point that you're, you're not ever promoting or almost never like promoting an actual sale. You're just entertaining them. And that ultimately makes them want to buy from, buy art from you. Right. And, 
And you know what I found, James, just sorry to add to that too, I did, I should have expressed it, but I sort of felt I always would have to say, but if you are interested in a commission, and then I stopped doing that. And I, I even got better response. People would, I would mention nothing about giving commissions or about a sale or anything. And then they would, I would, the responses I get was, oh yes, thanks for that. I have a family home as well as mine that I'd love you to do a painting of if you would. Uh, and then they go straight into that. So I would get all this repeat business and I didn't even mention anything about that. Yeah. Yeah. And I would say, especially for your work, like if, if, if I didn't know that you did commissions, Lisa, and I saw your work, I'd be like, Ooh, I wonder if she does commissions because it's like, there's such a clear just matchup of, of your audience and, and what you make. And I'm sure also like, I'm sure sometimes you share, look at this commission I did for someone else. Like, you know, so it's just your audience is aware that that exists without you having to literally promote it. And that goes back to what you were saying about just reminding them that you're kicking, that you exist and that you're alive and everything else kind of falls into place. But I, I love this concept of your newsletters entertaining your audience and making it something that they want to see. Yes. And one thing to add to that, too, that I should mention, I think social media is great for that, too. It's um, people see it as a big way to sell and you can do that and you can build it up to that. But often with a cold audience, it's not easy. You have to sort of build it to warm and then maybe later on. But it's a great platform for public relations. Again, romance and showing the same sort of uh, material, good news, new paintings, oh, look at this painting I did of um, this historic building and, or something really interesting on a lake or some really weird, some, sometimes I get really unusual commissions. And so you just, and a little bit of um, yourself having a coffee occasionally and, and things like that. So I'm doing that every day on Instagram and um, Facebook too. So that is a great, and I find that's been successful too. It's just you being out there and active. I think that's really the key thing. Yeah. And one more thing I would say, kind of riffing off that is just that it sounds like you do a really good job of not sharing information or, or posting things on social media that you're thinking, okay, what do I want to get out of this? It sounds like you're really thinking about like, how can I make the people, my followers, my audience happy? And when you're leading with that, then everything else follows instead of like, Ooh, you know, I want people to buy X, Y, Z, you know, let me, let me drill that into them until they do it. Lastly, I, I just want you to tell us about your new book that you mentioned before, uh, Hand Painted Homes, which, you know, it sounds really exciting. And I think just with uh, this whole conversation, I'm wanting to flip through the book. Tell us a little more about what inspired this book and the process of actually making it. Sure. Well, as I mentioned, I started, it's all started in Old Town Alexandria. And then I Grew it from there, the whole of the D.C. area, down further into Virginia. And then I thought, well, uh, I've got to expand. So as we were traveling, I started adding more and more states. And then I had this game um, because I think it's really important to have a purpose, a game. What are your goals? What are you trying to aim for? So I, I had said, told my husband, you know what? On our travels, I am going to do paintings of homes, historic buildings in every state across America. He says, you are? I said, yep. You're coming with me. <laughs> so uh, we, you know, we, when we were traveling and, and visiting and doing things, I started doing that. And so I would be getting clients from all these areas. So it would be building and building. And then I would be reporting 
oh, I've done 20 states now. And, you know, and this is over a span of 10 years. I also started, um, you know, instead of, it's like what we were saying, James, instead of um, having the idea of what I get from other people, I really had the, I had, I decided to take a different track and I started a historic preservation award where I would award people who had done an amazing job and changed an old derelict wreck to this beautiful restored home. And I would have a whole event and give them a free painting, lovely frame with a plaque. I would get the mayor there, we'd get the whole community out and um, media. And again, you are giving to the, you're giving to the community and people love you for it. You see what I'm saying? It's it's that different sort of viewpoint of it. Like how can you help and how can you express thanks and gratitude to others instead of just wanting it for yourself? So that that's a key viewpoint. So that also was part of the whole 50 states thing because I'd be giving these awards out as I went across America, you see. So then I decided, you know what? People kept asking me, well, when are you putting a book together? Is my Is my house going to be in it? I said, well, I don't know. And finally, I decided, I started saying, yep, I'm putting a book together. And um, I was saying that for about three years. And then it was like, I think I have to actually deliver on this promise, right? And it was sort of daunting because a coffee table book. So pandemic struck. I, I didn't, wasn't sure to work. I mean, I did my usual, but I thought, you know, now's the time. I have no excuse. I, I don't, I can't leave the house and go tripping around. So I might as well just do this book and that's it. And that was last April, last year. And then I just just really went at it. I had all the material. I, I put the stuff together. I got my friend who was an editor and she designed it. And then, uh, yeah, I got it produced and um, it hand-painted homes, an artist pen and watercolor journey across America. It's uh, nearly 300 pages, 650 images of homes, historic buildings. And uh, it's got, I did... On my travels, I would do little pen drawings, pen and ink, and journals. So those are in there. The oldest structure in every single state across America is in there uh, with a little pen drawing. So it is packed, packed, packed with content. And um, I knew I had a market because I, I could tell my clients who are in the book, yeah, you're in the book. So I sold 300, I pre-sold 300 copies. Yeah, before I released it. And um, the sales are going, but not at some great clip. It's been out for about two months. But, you know, I'm really learning. This is a whole new learning curve for me. Like, oh, selling a coffee table book. I was, and now I'm sort of into really grasping that whole area while I continue my usual successful actions and my commissions and that sort of thing. So it became this whole game of like, oh, how could I expand my game and my my universe as an artist, if you know what I mean. Why not go and become an author? And, and really, this is a way I could spread my message of we must save these buildings because literally hundreds, that was an impetus for the book, you know, hundreds of historic buildings are lost every single day in America, either to total, you know, destruction, they're torn down, or just to decay. So we're losing all that beautiful historic fodder every single week. So this book was put together with that in mind and to help sort of really popularize the fact that we have all these beautiful, it's a legacy we're leaving behind with all these lovely architectural beauties. We have to maintain it. Yeah. And I mean, this book sounds like it's not only uh, for someone who loves architecture, but also history and preservation. So I think that's uh, amazing. And also uh, I, I would say that 
most artists who are looking for kind of like what is their next creative step with their career? Like what you were just saying before about turning it into a game of, you know, I'm not just going to, you know, make paintings of homes. I'm going to make paintings of homes in every state. Just even if it's something that's maybe arbitrary, but just having something that you're you're going off of, I think can really, really get your creative juices flowing and and make it more exciting and, and kind of give you that that energy back into your art. Um, I think that's incredible. Yeah, thank you so much, Lisa, for sharing that. And let's go ahead and bring it home for our listeners out there. I have one more question for you, and that is, what should our listeners do right now to start revving up their careers in a big way? Well, I would definitely look at um, the points of a niche market. What are they? Ask yourself those questions. Not everyone wants to go in that direction, but even so, to some degree, you nearly every single artist, I've heard others like, I remember uh, Taylor was on your show a couple of podcasts ago and, and her story going back and, and putting this whole beautiful gallery together in this you know it takes risks and she was saying that too there's a risk involved I had to get my first loan ever in my life for the book to get it printed you know okay don't be afraid to um, ask those questions look to see research what do people like who's got my money right and also do it with sort of some sense of adventure. Life is an adventure if you make it so. It doesn't have to be a drudgery. So have those, set those goals, like you were saying, James, and don't be put off by people's views. You you have your goals and you just keep marching forward towards them, despite everything. And uh, you'll be amazed how much progress you actually make. I think that's beautiful. Thank you so much, Lisa. To all of you business artists out there, Lisa has been here with us today sharing her amazing perspective. You're going to want to go back, take notes, listen to this again. You can also listen to any of our other past podcasts at superfine.world. To connect with Lisa, you can follow her at Lisa Collins Art. That's L-E-I-S-A Collins Art on Instagram and also visit lisacollins.com. As always, remember that we are Superfine Art Fair on Instagram. We always appreciate a share when you're listening to and enjoying the artist business plan. And once again, we'd really appreciate it if you could take just a moment of your time to write us a review on Apple Podcasts. Uh, Those ratings are so helpful in helping other artist entrepreneurs like yourselves just find us and, and hear what amazing advice our guests have to say. As always, I'd like to wrap up the class by sharing a quick quote with you all. Uh, The quote is, don't worry about how you should draw it. Just draw it the way you see it. And that is Tim Burton. Lisa, it is such a pleasure talking with you. Thank you again for sharing your perspective with our listeners. And for that, we are so grateful. Well, thank you very much. And I want to say how much I appreciate what you're doing there your exhibitions and and the super fine art fairs. And I just think it's amazing. And uh, anything I can do to help you and back that up and help other artists, I'm always willing to do it. Thank you. Thank you so much, Lisa. And and I'll, I'll take you up on that. (laughs) Absolutely. Anytime, anytime. Everyone else have an awesome rest of your day and remember to stay on top of your artist business plan, get out there and make it happen. Thanks for joining us for another episode of The Artist Business Plan, a weekly business podcast for artist entrepreneurs brought to you by Superfine Art Fair. 
Hosted by Superfine CEO Alex Mito and co-founder slash professional artist James Milley, join us and leaders in the art, marketing, and business arenas each week for tips, tricks, and value bombs designed to help you thrive and sell more art. For more information on applying to Superfine Art Fair, as well as recordings of this and all of our past podcasts, just visit www.superfine.world. We love to hear what you have to say, so follow us on Instagram at Superfine Art Fair and shoot us a message to let us know you're listening. Looking for a more personal connection or want to exhibit at an upcoming fair? Shoot us an email at artistsmakingmoney at superfine.world and we'll get right back to you. That's artistsmakingmoney at superfine.world.